0: Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God given purpose. Enjoy. If you have your Bible, open up to 1 Peter chapter 5. I never get to finish the different thoughts that are in my head. My head can be a very scary place. Uh, and here's the problem. Any thoughts that I have, as soon as I start talking, more thoughts come. And I get excited. I love being in the Word. Uh, I mean, I, I I just love reading. I love being in the Word. And I love, you know, listening to God and uh How many of you guys could say honestly, how many of you that could say this honestly, that not just going to church, I'm not talking about just going to church. But when you started in some kind of regular, consistent capacity with with a heart of faith, started reading and studying the word of God, you saw a dramatic change in your life. Yep, that's right. It's good stuff really good stuff. Uh, and so we're going to do some work today. I'm just going to press through a bunch of stuff because I want to finish some things that I, you know, I didn't really get to get to uh, last week that I think is really important to what the Lord is saying and what the Lord is doing. And I also want to dive into, going, we're going to go into 2 Peter today. We've been going through the book of Peter. So um, Lord Jesus, help us. Let's do this. Y'all ready to go to work? All right. So 1 Peter chapter 5. Let me find my eyeballs here. I got them somewhere. Here we go. First Peter chapter five. Look around verse eight. Oh, first of all, um, oh my gosh! See, this is what happens. Look at verse seven. I want—I want to talk to you about being partners with God. Partnering with God. I want to talk to you about that. Partnering with God. You know, God is looking for partners, covenant partners, to be in partnership with Him. You may have a business partner. You, you, have, you may be married and have a, a partner in, in marriage. You may have a, a partner on a team or whatever, but your partnership with God in covenant relationship with God is the most important partnership you have. And your partnership with God, uh, and I'm not talking about being religious. I'm not talking about being like, like religious. I'm talking about being effective. I'm talking about being successful in the right terminology and definition of success. Uh, you know I'm talking about you know a, a servant leadership and and an empowering leadership that builds other people blessed to be a blessing so your partnership with God should affect every other partnership or you get it backwards your other partnerships will affect your partnership with God and so uh so when we look at this i want to I want to tie up first Peter And then we're going to jump into 2 Peter. So 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Uh, Let's read 7 and and 8, maybe one or two. We'll we'll look at it. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. If you got it, say got it. Casting all your care. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may Devour. Let's just—I just want to read one or two more. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But, but may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. This is what I believe the Lord is is, is doing. I think he's 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 I've told you this whole thing is about grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. Now, grace and peace is not an intellectual idea. Grace and peace are real substances and realities and forces in the kingdom of God. And so these things at work in First Peter, he's he's writing great, you know, writing prophetically, grace and peace be multiplied to you even in times of suffering. And when he defines sufferings, the sufferings of Christ, you see, talking about the sufferings of Christ, that's not being sick or being full of disease. That's not the sufferings of Christ. That's being sick. The sufferings of Christ is not, you know, um, you know, just regular difficult things happening to you, and it's really not, you know, consequences of your choices. The sufferings of Christ are, biblically speaking, are persecution. So he's writing to a group of believers that are, that most of the ones he's writing to in 1 Peter are not even Jewish in their, their root system and foundation. They're, they're Gentiles and they've been used to a Gentile world and now they're walking with Christ. And as they're walking with Christ, they're partners with God. And now they're partners with God that, that, that in their partnership with God, all stuff is breaking loose in their life and they're suffering. And so he's writing this stuff to them during times of suffering because what happens during times of suffering will, will really reveal what your true heart is. Suffering times of suffering, which is persecution. It's persecution. So God doesn't bring sickness to you for you to suffer to teach you something. God is the one who heals sickness and disease. He's not the one who causes it. And so God is the one who calms the storm. He's not the one who causes it. And a lot of stuff gets blamed on God because we really don't know who he is. And therefore, we really don't know who we are. And we don't know how to navigate in a partnership with God through different circumstances and things. So the reality is the sufferings of Christ are persecutions that you face for living with Jesus and walking with Jesus, walking in, in health and walking in, in wholeness and walking in righteousness, righteousness. Uh, uh, not walking in religiousness. You can be over-religious and you can be, you know, you can take things and, and apply them in a wrong way and bring about consequences. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about just walking in righteousness. And those who, those who walk with Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You will. Matter of fact, the Bible says, woe to you if everybody speaks well about you. And, and so the reality is he's writing, he said, first of all, cast your care upon the Lord. Cast your care, your worries, your concern, the weight, the weight of the things. So anything that could possibly be possibly be a thought that will be a distraction. Any thought, any care, anything that is an idea or a thought that could become a worry, that could become anxious, that you could begin to, to wonder on your way to worry. That that stuff you got to cast to the Lord. Lord, I trust you. You've been faithful in the past. You'll be faithful right now. It's not neglecting your responsibility. It's actually standing with God and partnering with God in your responsibility. You're saying, God, here's this situation. You lead me in what I need to do. It's not that you don't do anything, but what you do is out of response to how you give it to God and he leads you in what to do. Your response, you you don't react to the certain, I'll figure this out or God, you know, feeling like God's not doing anything or he's not doing it on your timetable. It's casting your care to him so that he's the one leading your life. And then with wisdom and with confidence and with love, he leads you in what to do next. Some of you right now need to know what to do next. You're not going to figure it out by worrying. You're not going to figure it out through anxiety. You're going to figure it out by casting your care, casting your concern to the Lord and say, Lord, this is yours because I'm yours and you lead me in what I need to do. And it's really interesting to me that verse 7 comes before verse 8, not because of numbers, because at least I know that much, but because of concept. Because the next verse says, be sober, be sober minded, which means free from the intoxication of, of drunkenness, the free from the illusion of intoxication. And it's not just with alcohol. It could be intoxicated with money. It could be in- intoxicated with anything. It could be intoxicated with Twinkies. I don't, you know, I'm not talking to you, but somebody you know. Whatever intoxicates you, you can be intoxicated about cars or vehicles or about golf or about any, it can be intoxicated with whatever, preoccupied with whatever, that there is an illusion that comes with intoxication. And you can be, you can be intoxicated by your work. And then your illusion is that work is your life. And so so it's interesting to me that he says, be sober-minded, free from the illusion of intoxication, right after that verse about care, because sometimes when we don't know how to cast our care before the Lord, this is what happens. That becomes a distraction, that becomes the weight upon us, that becomes the thing that occupies our mind, so we can't hear the Lord, we don't know how to see the Lord, And instead of the Lord being first in our life and his way being first in our life, we now have this anxiety and this worry about this thing that most of us don't even have any control over. And then it causes us to get intoxicated. When we don't, listen to me, when we don't know how to follow the Lord and receive instruction from the Lord, cast our care upon him and then follow the instruction. When we don't know how to do that, we're prone to intoxication. And our enemy walks about your adversary. Notice he didn't say God's adversary. Whose adversary is it? Your adversary. You know why that is? Because you're one with God. You're a partner with God. And when you went into partnership with God, his enemy becomes your enemy. You're that much of a partner with God. And he says your adversary. You know what the word adversary means? is so cool. It's so cool. I wasn't going to do all this, but I just feel like going there. So it's a legal term. It, 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 it's, it's talking about somebody who's in a lawsuit. It's, a, it's an attorney who's bringing a lawsuit against you. That's what the adversary is. So it's a courtroom setting. It's courtroom language. So your adversary, the devil, your adversary is the lawyer on the opposite side who's bringing a lawsuit using the law to sue you, to come against you, to try to keep you out of your partnership, pri- partnership privileges and promises that you have with God. So there are legal and illegal elements to this whole thing. And so that your adversary is a lawyer and he's looking at everything. He's checking everything. He knows the law. He knows the word and he knows he knows all these things and he's trying to find loopholes and things. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 4, I believe 27, do not give opportunity to the enemy, to the devil. Because he's a lawyer who's looking, uh, who's looking to find a loophole to take advantage of you and, dis- and legally disconnect your ability to function in the partnership that God has with you. And he may not keep you from being able to go to heaven in your partnership, but he will keep you from bringing heaven to earth in your partnership. And so, and that thing, he, all these, these things are so cool. He, 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 he's your enemy. He does this. And the roaring part, when I think about the roaring part, I think about the enemy actually thinks authority is in volume. Like volume determines authority. You ever met people like that? They think that, vol- that volume determines authority. So here's how you know you meet somebody who thinks volume determines authority. They say, hey, turn off the TV. The TV doesn't get turned off. So then they do this. Hey, turn off the TV. As if they didn't hear you and understand you the first time. And so when the TV's still not turned off the second time, hey, I said turn off the TV. Well, you're not increasing in authority. All you're doing is increasing in volume. You want me to show you how to increase in authority? Walk over, unplug the TV. I'm not saying this is what I'm about to say is totally healthy, but, but like cell phones. Hey, hey, Junior, get off the cell phone. Hey, 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 Junior, get, would you get off the cell phone? <laughs> Here's a better way. See, that's volume. That's not authority. And the reason why they're still on the cell phone is because they know it's just volume, not authority. And let me tell you how you learned to fight that way. Because they raised their volume and you thought they had authority. You have authority. You get online, AT&T. Let's see, what's that number? Da, 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 cancel the line. And they're going to flip out when you cancel their line. You, they go, I'm abused. Oh, my gosh. They're going to wig out. They're going to wig out. And all you got to do is say, I'm praying for you, baby. I'm praying for you. And let them wrestle with authority. Instead of wrestling with your volume, so the enemy's like a roaring lion. He's roaring, trying to get you to mess up, trying to get you to forget who you are. And then it says he walks about, he roams about. You know what that means? He 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 circles. That's what that word means. He circles, three sixty. He circles. He's looking like a lion on the prowl. He's looking at your life. He's looking at every angle. We all have one or two pet angles that we're really good at and really cool about, but there's other areas that we just don't like to look at. We don't like to submit before God. The enemy, as a lawyer, is looking at this case from every single angle, and he's watching you. So disobedience does not make God stop loving you. God loves you when you are in extreme sin and disobedience. Disobedience never makes God stop loving you. But I'm going to tell you what disobedience will do. We'll give an open door for the accuser and the lawyer to say, ah, there it is. And he'll come in and work something against you. And you're like, God, why is this happening? Well, that's a good question. But but let go of your drama mama stuff and and... Ask the question from a place of seriousness. God, why is this happening to me? Oh, yeah, because I'm not walking according to your word. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's that one area that I have chose not to look at, but yeah, mm, there's that one area. And if you search and the Holy Spirit doesn't show you any fault or doesn't show you any area of repentance, then you just stay steadfast in righteousness. You stay steadfast in obedience. And you know that this storm is going to, you're going to come to the other side. So don't, I'm not saying invent sin. I'm not saying like, like be so so sin conscious that you're trying to find find the, the, the cause or whatever. I'm just saying that that because sometimes there's nothing. You're doing everything right. You're walking with God. You know you're doing right when I mean, you're still in a persecution. You're still in a trial. And what you do in that is, Lord, I just cast my care upon you, and I'm going to keep walking in obedience. I'm going to obey the last word until the new word comes. And, God, I just thank you that you're gonna, you're going to bring me through this valley. You're going to bring me through this storm and you're going to work it out for good, God, I trust you. I trust you. I honor you. But you first got to say, what have I opened a door to the enemy? Have there been thoughts and actions and attitudes of my heart that have opened the door to the enemy? Because he's, he's, he's going around 360 and he's looking. He knows the law. He knows. These things. He knows. Hey, listen, the enemy came and about Job. And came inquiring, wanting wanting to, he came to the very courts of heaven. And God knew what he was there for. He's the accuser coming to, to bring question and accusation uh, against the people of God. Jesus even said to Peter, Satan has asked for you to sift you. In Luke 22, he says this. So we have an enemy. We have an adversary. We have a lawyer on the other side. But I'm telling you, we have a lawyer on this side. We have a lawyer and an advocate who's, who's, who's the representation of the king on our behalf, the Holy Spirit, who will lead us in what we need to know and what we need to do and what we need to think and what we need to say. And he's smarter than the other enemy. You ever been in a courtroom? Well, at, First of all, at Faith Center, that's a weird question to ask. Have you ever been in a courtroom? Some of you are like, I'm going this week. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Pastor, you know the judge. You write me a little letter or something. So I, can, I get that. But the reality is, you know, I've been in a courtroom before, and you can look at the two lawyers and be like, that one, he's, he's you know, he's one fry short of a Happy Meal. And this one, he, he knows what he's doing. So I'm telling you, the enemy's trying to work these angles and stuff, but we, we have an advocate through the Holy Spirit that we can follow him and trust him and, and walk in this. And so he's seeking, he's circling, he's circling, he's circling the circumstance. He's looking at it from every angle to find a loophole. So he has legal right to destroy your partnership or confuse your partnership with God. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And so he's, he's seeking this. So the, the circling Underneath the the circling is the action, what he's doing. The seeking is why he's doing it. The seeking speaks to a desire, an appetite. So just like God is good and he has an appetite, a desire to bring good into your life and work good into your life. That's God's heart. And Jesus come uh, that you may have life and have life more abundantly. You know, and the enemy comes to do what? Steal, kill, destroy. So that's his desire. But what he does, so his desire, that's what got him into being a lawyer in the first first place. So he has this desire to steal, kill, and destroy. And as he's doing this, it's a passionate desire. The enemy is passionate. The problem is the partners of God most of the time are not. We were passionate in sin. We get passionate going to stuff all week long and come to church, and it's like, where is your passion? When we're in the Word together, there needs to be passion. You need to be on the edge of your seat. You don't want to be sitting back like about to fall asleep. You need to like be in this. You need to be ready. You need to be willing. You need to be hungry. You need to be receiving this. When we're worshiping, Yeah, you don't need to put on a show, but you need to be hungry, and you need to be passionate, saying, God, I bless you. God, I honor you. Well, I don't feel comfortable lifting my hands. Well, get passionate. Don't put on a show to be seen, but let yourself be free and just worshiping God and and being able to declare that, that God, I love you, and God, I praise you, and God, I honor you, and I magnify you. And I'm telling you what's going to happen. The enemy is circling. He's circling, watching the whole thing because he has a seeking inside. He has a desire inside, and that desire also comes with a demand. That's why he asked. He asked Jesus. And I I love that whole thing in in, in Luke. Here I go chasing more rabbits. I love that thing in Luke because Jesus comes to Peter and he says in Luke 22, he he tells him he says, "Hey, Satan has asked for you." That's not a good conversation, y'all. That's like who, who? Satan has asked for me. I mean, that's where, that's where the drama comes out in me and my voice. <laughs> what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Why is he coming for me? <laughs> you ever know people that get nervous or scared, their voice kind of goes up? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, this... I wish my voice went John Wayne mode, like, whoa, what? Why is he asking for me? I do the opposite. Why is he asking for me? Turn into Pee Wee Herman. <sighs> Man of faith. (laughs) But he says, Satan has asked for you. He says, don't don't worry. I've prayed for you. Oh, thank you, Lord. (laughs) And here's what he prayed. I pray your faith doesn't fail. Because you know what you're the lawyer on the lawsuit, your adversary. You know what his whole goal is? To disrupt your faith that your faith would fail. Because if your faith fails, your partnership is blocked. Because it's a faith partnership. So when worry and concern and distractions come, they're all coming after one thing. They, They come to distract you. They come for your attention. But the ultimate thing they're coming after, the ultimate thing they're coming after, it's like, it's like a linebacker who gets through the nose guard. He's not after the nose guard. He's going to deal. So the nose guard would be your attention, your focus. He he removes the nose guard. He removes the blocker. He's not going after the blocker. If he was going after the blocker, he would have stopped right there. He removes the blocker to get to who? Quarterback. The quarterback is your faith. That's where the ball is. And so, so maybe your nose guard, you know, maybe you're the quarterback, like I was just saying, and you're running or whatever. Uh, uh, I'm the, I'd like to be the quarterback. Come on. You know, anyways. So when he, when he gets, when, when the enemy comes, he's getting past the, the, the defense and he's going to keep coming to your faith. That's what Jesus knew. Because Jesus, on the advocacy of heaven side for you in your partnership, what is he doing on this side of the courtroom? He's praying your faith doesn't fail. What is the enemy doing on this side of the courtroom? He's coming at you so your faith can fail. So my question is do you have a functioning faith or a failing faith? If you're gonna be a partner with God, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to walk in faith. You're gonna have to walk in faith faith. And you're going to have to stand. You're going to have to stand and, and understand the things of the Lord. And you know what? I'm not going to rush through this. I promise you, I got another couple hours I could sit here and throw the Bible at y'all and teach y'all. And some of it's really good and some of it's probably dumb. <laughs> the good stuff's the Bible part. The dumb stuff's my part. I just sense that you need to understand this, that you need to know, you need to know that you are a if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you if you have believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth through prayer that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then you are saved and when you are born again, you are saved. The spirit of God comes to live inside of you. You are a new creation. You are a new creation. You're not just fixed up on the outside. You don't have a new, you don't have duct tape and, and spray paint and, and just, you didn't get cleaned or, you know, he didn't, you, you are a whole new creation. You have a new identity. And listen to me, you're not a sinner anymore. You're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. You're a saint. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Somebody from from Lifeline. Is, is Lifeline up there? Yeah. Somebody from Lifeline. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Somebody tell me. Don't, don't look there. Uh uh-uh. uh It's too late. This is this is testing testing of your faith. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to go back with the guy, oh, teacher's pet, whatever. (laughs) And all you need to look at him is say, I'm a partner with God. Anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, it's not going, it's gone. The new has come. So you have an enemy who's a lawyer who's looking from the old, and what he's he's doing is trying to find old behavior, old attitude, old mindsets, old emotions that are sitting upon or caked upon the new, that are layered upon the new. The new is on the inside, not the outside. The old is on the outside, not the inside. So you are new, but I feel Oh, well, your feelings are not who you are. Never, never, never let your feelings bring you to action. Let your actions bring you to feelings. So the reality is I'm new. I'm new. I'm new. What happens is we agree with the with the lawyer on the enemy side, with our adversary. We think, well, because I have a desire in my flesh to do something sinful must mean I'm a sinner, must mean I'm not new. And so I struggle with this because this is who I am. So I have this struggle. And the only way to win the war and fight the enemy is to stand according to the book and according to the partnership with God that is based on the word of God and stand in legal jurisdiction to say, I was that, but I am not that I have been made new through my faith partnership with God. I don't always look new. I don't always feel new on the outside. But who I am on the inside is I'm a new creation in Christ. That's who I am. That's who I am. And when you know that's who you are, knowing who you are will change what you do. If you believe you're still an addict, you're still an addict. I know that'll mess with some of y'all. I know it'll mess with some of y'all, but I'm telling you right now, if you believe you're still a liar... You're going to struggle with it big time. But when you know who you are in Christ, you can speak to your flesh. You can speak to your feelings. You can renew your mind. You can speak to every temptation. You can speak to the enemy and Pookie and all them. And you can say, "Uh uh-uh, that's what I did. That's not what I do. This is who I am. I'm a partner with God and my partnership with God, my partnership with God is more valuable to me than my partnership with you. I want to be partners with you as long as you can be partners with God. But if you ain't going to walk this direction, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Because for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But some of us have been in church so long. We've been in church so long, going through the routine. But we don't know who we are in Christ. We don't know the legal issues. We don't know the, We don't realize we're, that we don't realize in the spirit world there's a courtroom. We don't realize that that our faith gives jurisdiction. From heaven to earth, that God is looking for faith. He's looking for faith. He's not looking for your effort. He's not looking for you to be good. He's not looking for you to to clean up your life. You can't clean up your life. He's not looking for you to to right the wrongs. He's not. He's not looking for your performance. He's got enough promise. He doesn't need your performance. He's not looking for you to to do do do. He's looking for you to believe to believe in Him. That that what He has done is 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 finished. And I come into agreement with. With what God has done, which is he, who he is, has now changed who I am in my spirit. And now I yield my mind, my emotions, and my will to the new me in me, which means I stopped seeing myself the way I used to see myself before I became a partner with God. Before my partnership with God, I was in the world without hope. Without God, without covenant, I had no hope. There was no hope. Church couldn't help me. John couldn't help me. Sarah couldn't help me. No one could help me. Money couldn't help me. Nothing could help me. But when I came into partnership with God, it changes everything. He's He's the help. And he's the one that comes and and transforms me and changes me. And so now i got to understand legally who I am as a partner with God. i got to cast my care, the thing that will distract me, the thing that will distract me, the thing that will disappoint me. Listen to me. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but this is real deal Holyfield stuff. And if y'all don't know what that means, this is really important. The thing that will discourage you, distract you, and and the thing that causes you to get your eyes off of Jesus. The thing that that causes you to get all flustered. The thing that causes you, whoever it is or whatever it is, the thing that causes you to, to get all distracted. It's not on the outside, it's on the inside. You say, they make me angry or you make me this. No, no, no. What happens is it's in you. Which is good news because you have the ability to re coordinate that. You have the ability to redial that, refocus that. Lord, I cast my care upon you. So when somebody comes to you, oh my gosh, you see what's happening? Are you, oh, uh, and they start talking about something's going on. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? I'm going to do what I've already done. Well, what'd you do? Did you fix it? Did you solve it? I gave it to him. And here's what happens in church. Well, that's irresponsible. What are you going to do about it? It's like, I've already done what I'm supposed to do about it. Okay, what was that? <laughs> See, this is what happens in my head all the time, multiple conversations. What do you? I've done what I'm going to do because it's what he said to do. See, I'm in partnership with God, and my partnership will prevail. My partnership will, I'm going to make things begin with P. My partnership will, will prevail this problem. My partnership with God will prevail this pain. My partnership with God will prevail as I stay focused on God. And anything I don't understand, anything above my pay grade, it's yours, Lord. So now you just tell me what to do. Okay, do this. All right. Here's, here's the question you don't need to ask. You give it to the Lord, and then he says, okay, do this. Why? That, that's not what comes out of your mouth. Here's what comes out of your mouth. Yes. Yes. And you start walking with the Lord. Well, how do you start growing to know it's the Lord's voice? You got to get around God's people. You got to get in God's word. You, gotta, you have to spend time in God's word. You have to spend time with God's people. I don't feel like going to church today. Okay, I, I get it. Guys, I, I don't feel like going to church some days. I get it. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I tell you what I do when I don't feel like coming to church is I come. I come early. I come and I walk around. I pray in the spirit. I've, just been, I've been to pray over you and pray over the families walking laps around this church. And I lift up my hands and I bless God and I honor God. I'm not putting on a show. I'm just, I'm just reminding myself that my partnership will prevail. The distraction won't prevail. The fear won't prevail. It won't prevail. Even if I sin, even if I sin, even if I I fail and disobey God and sin, my sin won't prevail because I'm not going to keep walking in it and go from failure to failure to failure. If I happen to fail and I sin, then what's going to happen is I'm going to repent and I'm going to remember who I am and come back into my partnership with God. Not that I lost the partnership, but I lost my responsibility and stewardship of the partnership. And because I fail, God doesn't knock me out of the partnership. So what I need to know is a partnership is eternal. So on the day that I fail and I sin, I boldly and passionately come back to the throne of grace, which is the highest authority there is. And what the enemy is doing, when that happens, he's accusing you. He's accusing you, saying, you don't deserve this. And he's he's speaking to you from under the law, from under the jurisdiction of the law, saying, you can't, and you don't deserve this, and you don't whatever. That's what he's speaking. But what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you under the jurisdiction of grace and under the jurisdiction of the new covenant, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, come to the throne of grace. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He's saying, come to me, remember who you are, remember who I am, remember my promises. One of the greatest things you need to do when your performance fails is to remember the promises of God. And to come back into obedience, to say, yes, Lord. And then walk in that obedience. Because the, whole, the end of this thing, the end of this thing where he says, your, your adversary, the lawyer on the other side who brings a lawsuit against you, your adversary who's roaring, thinking he has authority, who's prowling about in a circle and who's seeking because he has a passionate desire to destroy your partnership with God. You know what that means? I'm going to pick on Dicky for a second. If, if God destroys Dickie's partnership, I mean, if, if the enemy comes to destroy, Dicky, come on up here and bring your hat with you. He just looks like a partner with God. Look at that. Super fly. Good stuff. So he's a partner with God. Uh, Would you grab your Bible too? I want to do something. You know he's a partner with God because he just told me before service how many fish was it? 259. 259 catfish one day. One day? Oh, six days. Okay. And then he rested. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Good Lord <laughs> So that's partnership with God right there He's, he just, he's the catfish whisperer He don't use a fishing pole. he just speaks to them They come up <laughs> Jump in a boat So he's walking in partnership with God So there's word. So here's the partnership manual Here's the promises Here's the covenant And, and you're walking in this So I'm the enemy I'm coming And I'm going to come and see my whole goal as the enemy as a lawsuit coming is when you're starting to question something and you're wondering, well, why is this happening to me or what's going on here? Any kind of trouble in your life? I'm looking for the most opportune time And as I'm coming. I'm looking. My whole goal is to get your eyes off of this, because if I can get you from not seeing that. Yeah, if I can just get you <laughs> from not seeing that. See, that's how it happens right there until finally, finally, we, you know, get messed up and, and <laughs> yeah, he's bobbing and weaving. All right. Uh, I ain't always been a pastor. We're going to do this. Uh, <laughs> no, you whoop me with them. You got them catfish skills. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so so I'm, that's the enemy He's going to try to He's going to try If he can't get you out of the word If he can't get you out of the word Watch this If he can't get you out of the word He'll have you look at it crooked He'll deceive you That's what 2 Peter When we get into 2 Peter He's the first 1 first Peter's all about You know Guarding them And encouraging them In the middle of suffering Second Peter's warning them About false teachers Who will Who would distort Your partnership with God and you're still looking at the word. You're just looking at it crooked. You're looking at it with you at the center instead of God at the center. And even though His promises it's grace and peace to you, there's still it's still all about Him. It's all about Him because if it ever becomes all about you, then you've, it's, you've you've misunderstood it. It's all about Him in you. So the enemy will come, and ultimately, what he'll do is he'll do that right there. <laughs> and we let him and but I know its an analogy cuz Dicky would not have usually let me take his bible from him so and and if i can't if i can't just take it like that cuz sometimes a direct thing you know it won't, he won't let me take it but if i come and i just i just start like making him question some stuff and getting him to you know look at that over there and look at you know look at things and let worry and fear as you're focused like somewhere else i can then take the word and some of you have noticed this in life. You've noticed this, that you've gone through certain seasons where you look back and like you've, you've, you've hit a wall. You've hit a wall or something that's painful or something. And then you kind of wake up and you look back, man, I've not been in the word for a while. If you would have recognized that early, you would have never hit the wall. You'd have never hit the wall. But I want you to see you have a spiritual Enemy, a spiritual lawyer who is coming and using everything he can. He's circling. He's circling. Sometimes he roars. There's no authority in his, that lion doesn't have any teeth. Don't let a roar, roar back. Roar back. You have the lion of the tribe of Judah inside of you. Roar back. That's why worship time, especially if you're under attack and you feel like the enemy is intimidating you and threatening you, that's the week you need to come in and just roar, yes, God, yes, I bless you, God. Oh, I'm shy. Who cares what anybody else thinks? Bless the Lord. Right in the face of that roar, you bless the Lord. You roar with worship. Not to put on a show, but to, to, to just declare your partnership with God because the enemy will come and do this. And here's his goal. Here's his whole goal, that he may devour you, seeking who he may devour. See, who he may devour and who he may not devour is not up to him. It's up to you. And I already know with Dickie's life, he probably goes through struggles, probably goes through whatever, got to clean all them catfish and do all that stuff. But he doesn't, he doesn't let go of his faith. He may stumble, but he gets back up. He doesn't let go of his faith. That's why he's, he, he comes and he's not just. And, and so in that, Dickie's declaring with his obedience and with his faithfulness, he's declaring, ain't going to devour me. You can roar, but you're not going to devour me. You know what that word devour means? <laughs> it means to gulp. <clears throat> it's what I do with Chick-fil-A, you gulp it. It means to drink down. I think that verse is real funny because this is what it's saying. Be sober-minded, be sober-minded, meaning don't be drunk with intoxic- the illusion of intoxication. Because if you are drunk with the illusion of intoxication, the enemy is going to drink you down. Don't be drunk, you'll get drunk. He'll drink you down. He'll swallow. And what does it mean, swallow you? It doesn't mean that that you you can walk this out with you and God. I'm not saying it means Dickie's going to lose his salvation, but here's what's going to happen the gifting and calling and anointing, what God wanted to show the world through Dickie Lee will not be seen. Not because God was not willing, but because Dicky wasn't. What is the statement God is wanting to make to the world through your existence? You got to remember that and say, I'm a new creation. That means God's going to take everything from Dickie's past and work it all out for good. Dickie, you can go sit down. Thank you, man. So worship team, why don't you go ahead and come on up? Thanks again for listening to the Face Center podcast. To connect with us, go to FaceCenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.